the next thing was, you know, I would say pivotal moment embedded on myself was, you know, leaving Duke after uh, one year and deciding to enter, enter the draft. And that was a tough, tough thing because no one in the history of the Duke organization has ever left at that time, especially someone as a, as a freshman. And, you know, I, I felt at that time it was a great opportunity to pursue this dream that I actually started when I was 12 years old from the Boys and Girls Club to bet on myself and see if I could make it into the big league. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast, where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. My guest today is Corey Maggetti, family man, legendary 14-season veteran of the NBA, star player in Ice Cube's Big Three Basketball League, and commentator for the Los Angeles Clippers. Corey is my former teammate and rival in the NBA and a great friend of mine for over 25 years, all the way back to high school. It is a true pleasure to have him on the show today and introduce him to all of you. In this episode, we discuss what betting on yourself means to him, living by faith in Christ, moving forward without knowing the outcome, developing a strong work ethic, the no days off mindset, going all in on basketball and academics, what it was like to play for Coach K, leaving Duke early to go after his NBA dream, and stepping up his game to play with the most elite athletes on the planet. Corey is a true friend and an inspiration to me. An inspiration who, I believe, has only just begun to make his mark on the world. Here's my conversation with Corey Maggetti. Corey Maggetti, my brother, AKA Freak of Nature, AKA Manchild. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been knowing this man for ooh, going on 25 years plus, all the way since we were in high school um, at the Nike All-American camp back in the day. Uh, man, thank you for being on the podcast with me today, my brother. Man, anytime, Mike. You make it sound like we like really old, man. <laughs> 25 plus years. <laughs> I, 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 we, you, I, I've been knowing you since you were 15, 16 years old, man. Yeah, so, know, we, you know, bro. I won't disclose how old we are, but... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You know, so uh, former teammate, former rival uh, in the NBA and and uh, just an all around incredible man and uh, who's become an incredible father and husband, a man of God, man that loves his family. And I, I'm just honored to have you on the podcast, man. You know, we, we go way back, um, as you know, and uh, I want to start the show off and we'll get into some integral details about your life and journey. I want to always start the show off with saying what has betting on yourself meant to you personally? Hmm, that's a that's a good question. You know, when when you think about, you know, the notion of betting on yourself, you you are relying completely, basically, you you living by faith. You don't know what the outcome may may be, but by faith you are pushing through. You you have great perseverance. Um, regardless of, you know, the hills and valleys, you continue to bet on yourself. And you know, it's such a, I mean, I, I love how you start this off on betting on yourself. And, and I think a lot of times we, we forget about, you know, to bet on ourselves, you know, to take a chance on the things that we believe in, the things that we want to pursue. And um, it's kind of how I look at it, Mike. Is there, a, is there a pivotal moment for you from teenage years to at being at Duke to the league? 
there's a number of um, times I'm sure you made major bets on yourself. Was there a pivotal moment, even as a young child, you made a bet on yourself? Well, I would say I betted on myself. And this just goes back to when I was around 10 to 12 years of age when I decided to play basketball. And uh, before that, I was playing baseball. I was a pretty good baseball player. Uh, I was a pitcher and I was a power hitter. And man, all of a sudden, I just kind of said, man, I want to stop and I want to try this game of basketball. Mm. And, you know, being probably one of the tallest kids on our team at that time and, you know, trying to change sport at that time, I didn't even know how to play basketball and decided that I wanted to try. And I never forget, it was a friend of mine, his his grandfather named Pops, said, hey, why don't you come to the Boys and Girls Club and um, we'll see what you can do. We know you can run. We know you can jump. So this would be good. You just listen to my instructions. And, man, I went out there, man, I was the worst player on the planet, to, in my eyes. And uh, I, I just, at that time, it was it was more of a challenge, right? I, it was a challenge, like, wow, I need to, I like this game. I like kind of the upfield up and up-tempo, and I wanted to get better at it. And so that day was the last day that I ended up playing baseball, and I decided mm-hmm. that I wanted to try, try basketball. Um, the next thing was, you know, I would say pivotal moment, embedded on myself was, you know, leaving Duke after uh, one year and deciding to enter, enter the draft. And that was a tough, tough thing because no one in the history of the Duke organization has ever left at that time, especially someone as a, as a freshman. And, you know, I, I felt at that time, it was a great opportunity to pursue this dream that I actually started when I was 12 years old from the Boys and Girls Club to bet on myself and see if I can make it into the big leagues. Mm. Was that a mindset that was cultivated in your household when you were younger as far as taking risk on yourself, being a go-getter? Was that kind of like a mindset in the household, mom and dad? No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, Mike. I would say, you know, in my household, it's more about, you know, your work ethic. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my dad worked, you know, like 13-hour shifts. So, you know, when I think about growing up, um, you know, he was always gone or he would when I when he got back home, he was asleep because he was tired. And so, you know, his model was, you know, you have to work. If you work at it, you can get better. And um, that was the mindset in, in our in our family to just work as hard as you can. Don't make any excuses. You know, don't take any days off. You know, my dad, I don't think he ever took a day off, you know, from from work. And he never missed miss even if on a sick day. And so that was his attitude that, that kind of never give up at, never give up mindset. And, and that's kind of how I approach even, you know, my life today and, and, and having been in the NBA and making those decisions um, later on in my life. So, like I said before, I, I've, I've known you since we were teenagers and I remember seeing you at the Nike All-American camp in Indianapolis and you walked into the gym and it was like, wow. This guy is unbelievable. He has to be going to be a senior year. And they were like, no, he's going to be a junior. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. And so uh, so I, I'll say this. I took a bet on myself guarding you throughout our careers because you were literally one of the most challenging guards uh, to play against uh, in, in the NBA because you were so physical, so strong, so quick. You could do everything. And so uh, it was, it's been a remarkable, remarkable journey for you in your NBA career. And it, it began at Duke, right? So talk about that, that decision to go to Duke. 
coming out of high school? Well, you know what? I you know, I went to a, a pretty prestigious high school, Fenwick High School back in Oak Park, Illinois. And, you know, this is a school that really produced Ivy League students. And they invested in their students, invested in their academics. And I had the pleasure of going there. And, um, you know, when I think about the decision of going to Fenwick, that actually allowed me to to pursue my career and not just as far as basketball, but academically to be a better student. You know, you're coming from, you know, public school and and now you're in a position where you have kids. I have kids in my in in our school that were already, you know, taking, you know, AP courses for college. And so for me, it was a challenge again, you know, trying to be a better student. And um, the other challenge of, you know, learning this this different culture, you know, coming from, you know, basically the inner city and going to this prestigious school. And when I think about, you know, the the staff there at Fenwick High School, they really allow allowed me to grow. Um, you know, they challenged me, which was was great. And, you know, when I think about the basketball coach at that time, his name was John Quinn. You know, he took a chance on me. You know, hey, you know, we're going to start you as a as a freshman. And, you know, I didn't expect to, to start as a freshman. It was like, all right, OK, well. If you're going to star me, I'm, I'm going to go out there and work hard. And just so happened that, you know, everything started to to go in the right direction. And then when you look at far as the stance of thinking about a Duke, Duke University, I would just remember, you know, the Kristen Leitner's, the Grant Hill at that time, the Johnny Dawkins. And, um, man, I, I, I just thought about, like, wow, this would be a great experience to be involved in one of those high prestigious you know, universities, you know, at that time, I remember having, you know, a conversation at my school with, with John Thompson and, you know, you know, selling me on Georgetown. And I just loved him as an individual, how, you know, he it was almost like a father figure when I was talking to to John Thompson. And then the other side of it, uh, you know, with Coach K, you know, having Coach K come to my home. And, you know, talking to my parents and, you know, he's from the south side of Chicago. So right there, you knew it was kind of, you know, some type of connection, you know, being a fellow Chicagoan. And, you know, that it really to me, those were the decisions when I when I look back on, you know, making that that choice to go to Duke. It was more about who really sold me at that moment. I You know, I had to say that, you know, Coach K and their organization and you know, and the school was just so great to to be a part of. So that's the one thing that me and you have in common. We both were coached by Coach K. Um, I had the privilege of being coached by Coach K and during the Olympic run. And you obviously played for him. You were all C, all ACC as a, as a freshman, um, dominant, obviously in high school, and you have a great great year at Duke. And then you you leave early. You make the huge bet in a time where it wasn't popular to leave school early as much as it is now, um, especially from Duke. You know, guys who went to Duke usually graduated all four years or left after the junior year at some time. And so you uh, made the huge bet on yourself to leave school early and go pursue your dream in the NBA. Talk about that time frame and, and the conversations with Coach K on on making that decision. Well, you, you said it, uh, Mike. It was, it, was a very, it was a very trying time, I would say, back then when – you know, no one ever will leave the Duke 
you know, franchise or organization, you can name it whatever you want. And I remember back then, you know, honestly, Mike, when I look at those decisions, you know, my first instinct was to never leave Duke. That was never on my mind that I wanted to leave and 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 go to the NBA early. You know, you know, honestly, when I look back at it, it was more about I wanted to stay stay there all four years and 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 get a degree and help me get a good job because I honestly never thought that I was going to make it in the NBA, to be honest. It, that was never my thought process. It was more about the work ethic and and trying to get better every day. And I and honestly, it, it kind of got really thrown at me. I remember after the national championship game, it started, they started to send out these publications on who could be in the draft. And, you know, they start talking about Elton Brand, they start talking about William Avery. And then all of a sudden they start talking about me, like, hey, you know, Corey McGetty has a chance to be you know, a lottery pick in, in the NBA. I honestly had didn't even think personally about trying to leave. And I never forget I'm on campus and um, they're telling me like, hey, you know, we keep hearing that, you know, you're going you're trying to enter the draft. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and they wanted me to to have a press conference about it. I'm like, a press conference about what? And after that, I remember you know, this whole ordeal trying to have to go and see Coach K and um, and have a conversation with him. And you know what? Honestly, I respect him even more for that time. When I look at that time on how he handled it. Um, you know, he didn't want me to go. He told me that. But he sat me down and we had a conversation. He pulled out all of these, you know, publications and notes about, you know, your abilities and, you know, far as where you would be drafted, you know, from a from a financial standpoint, where would it be where would you be? If you know, if it's one through five, if it's five through ten, if it was ten through thirteen, you know, like those different things. And, you know, I, I at that time, you know, I was thinking like, man, he's just trying to sell me on to stay at school, which again, that was never my intentions to leave. But, you know, as an adult now, you you understand that he was really trying to help me. He was really trying to invest in me and just take the whole basketball part out of it. And let's think logically. And it was it was a really good experience to to have him sit down and go through all of those 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 notes and, and give me the option. And ultimately, it was still my decision, you know, to make. And I remember, you know, talking to him again and you know, leaving his house and then having a conversation with my parents. And, you know, they say, hey, you know, we want you to stay in school, but ultimately this is your decision. And, you know, that's where you have to, you know, put your big boy pants on and and make a grown up decision, the maturity and making that decision on my own and not really relying on my parents or even the coach at the time to make the decision. And that bet paid dividends because you had an incredible 14 year career after making that major, major decision. Now, we always say this, there's a transition from high school to college, and there's obviously a transition from the college to the NBA. Talk about the work ethic and how you had to ramp things up because of the competition level, um, which is the ultimate level of the NBA. We always say there's levels to this. And mm-hmm. so to to once you're now in the NBA, how much more did you have to work on your game, take your nutrition to another level, your fitness to another level? What was the the thought behind that and your approach? Well, first I had to say, you know, I felt, you know, going into my rookie year in the NBA with the Orlando Magic, Doc Rivers, 
you know, he was the coach at that time. I felt like I was more than prepared, you know, in condition and physically. You know, I remember the times back, you know, the training for 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 Duke and and how we used to just have these crazy, insane practice. And, and Coach K wanted to make sure that we were, you know, the best conditioned team. And so from a conditioning standpoint, you know, I, I was far, far beyond any other player. I remember, you know, back then, you remember the older vets, they were coming and work them, work themselves into to conditioning, you know. And I remember a couple of guys having, you know, oxygen masks because you know we were doing five seventeens and Doc Head is doing five seventeens in a certain time. And I'm like, man, this is easy. This is what we used, we we used to do uh, back with Coach K. And I'm, you know, I breeze through it. So I'm like, oh, this is this what the what the NBA is about? But then all of a sudden, from a physicality standpoint, I remember Ben Wallace on our team at that time. I'm like, wow, this dude is huge. And um, I took that step of talking to those older veterans about, you know, the training part of it. And, you know, I feel like I was still physically gifted myself at an early age because I, you know, I wanted to, you know, work out with the football team and, and lift with them because I thought saw the benefits of it. And then you get to the NBA and you start to learn more about functional training. And Ben Wallace and Bo Outlaw, you know, and the trainer at the time, his name was Mick in Orlando, really, you know, they really invested in me. And it was it was a miraculous of uh, change, you know, how I got better, you know, even to the fact of I think it around that time I decided like, man, I'm going to stop eating, you know, like fried foods and, you know, not drinking sodas because I wanted to put all the right energy in my body. You know, your body is like an engine. You got to put the right gasoline. I wanted to have the right fuel. And so, you know, those guys really, really taught me, you know, if you if you saw Bo Outlaw and, and Ben Wallace, man, these dudes are ripped up like Greek gods. You know, even to this day, Bo Outlaw and Ben Wallace, you know, these guys are in the gym every day taking care of their body. So, you know, that was a, a, a lifelong and lifestyle change for me that really helped me, I would say, during those years to improve and you know, one thing coming into to the NBA at the time, I wasn't the best shooter and I had to really work at it. So, you know, the countless hours of trying to be a better shooter, the countless hours of trying to be a better shoot, uh, free throw shooter and the time of just, you know, using using my God given abilities, my speed, my strength and agility to to be successful in the league. How important. And I. I talk to a number of entrepreneurs and founders as well. How important is it to have mentors, right? Because if you have great veterans for us in the NBA, it almost kind of shapes your career, right? Mm -hmm. And I often encourage founders, entrepreneurs, leaders to have mentors that can help them along the way in their journey. No, you're absolutely right. I, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have to earn the respect, and you know this, Mike, you got to earn the respect of those veterans at that time, you know, and I'm thinking about from a basketball standpoint. And once they see that you, you're really pursuing hard work ethic, they really, I mean, they kind of gravitate to you, you know, they push you, they have you, you know, do things that they might need. But overall, from a mentorship standpoint, you know, it, it, it really helps you during your career by having someone that you can count on that can actually talk you through, you know, those different scenarios. And even now, you know, I have mentors and people that I talk to, you know, even from a faith-based standpoint, 
you know, trying to strengthen my faith. And you need those people that are, are seasoned, uh, that has a little more knowledge than, than you do to help you pursue what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I look at back then, you know, in my basketball career, I had a lot of people that helped me along the way, you know, from you know Michael Finley, you know, from Juwan Howard, you know, fellow Chicago guys that I had a chance to talk to, you know, about making sure to save your money. Um, and then about, you know, having good, good teammates, you know, from, you know, like a Keon Doolin, you know, when I was on the time of starting to retire, you know, how do you supposed to handle it? You know, so I, I really had a, a, a number of people that I can actually count on that can give me great advice. And even to this day that I still talk to. That's phenomenal, man. That's phenomenal. Talk about not only the external strength that you exhibited throughout your career, physical strength that you exhibited, but talk about the mental strength uh, to deal with adversity, right? Trades, uh, slumps throughout the season in your game, injuries, Mm -hmm. that bounce back mentality. Um, talk about that, that aspect of your game. You know what, you know, when I think about, you know, my dad and having to never, never give up attitude and just work ethic, you know, I think about the time in my career, you know, I had, you know, a lot of injuries and, and, and it was tough when you think about, you have to sit out and you have to wait. And then for me, like being a player that I felt like, man, I'm doing everything I can in the gym. I'm taking care of my body. Like, why would I have, you know? you know, a knee issue or have a hamstring pull. And, you know, it, it does take a, a mental toll toll on you as an individual. And uh, I just remember back then just, you know, honestly, I had my brother around, which is, which is great. You know, my older brother, I can always talk to him. Uh, I can always call my mom and, you know, tell her about the things that were, that were bothering me, you know, as a, as a, as still as an adult, you know, and you, know, you, you, you forget about, you know, your parents, you know, love you unconditionally and, you know, any advice or things that you can, you have issues, you can always call upon them. And so I just remember, you know, those times having those conversations with them. And then, you know, with my wife having a conversation with her about, you know, the different seasons and, you know, like the mental strain. And I, I would say, you know, my last few years in the league was probably the the most mentally challenged, you know, where it was, it really, you know, I would say as far as perseverance, you know, you know, having Scott Skiles. I mean, you know, Scott Skiles is a coach and then yeah. uh, Lawrence Frank. And, you know, I, I felt like those two coaches didn't really allow me to 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 be the player that I wanted. And um, honestly, I think I thank them for that, you know, challenging me because it really taught me how to have perseverance. It, it taught me how to really to rely on something other than myself. And what I mean by something that I started to really rely on my faith. Um, and I think honestly, then Mike, I still didn't really know about my faith. I, you know, I was searching mm-hmm. for, you know, for, for God to kind of allow me to, to help me during those times. And he did, but I still really didn't know him at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about it, you know, you know, those two coaches and those, those obstacles over time, you know, I, it was really preparing me to, you know, give advice to my kids, you know, to give advice to my son or my daughter, you know, if they ever go through an issue, but also to help me, you know, far as from a business stuff, business standpoint, outside of basketball, you know, with my career, 
my career was over, you know, how to handle, you know, trials and tribulations and, and where you should really put your, your confidence and your trust in all of your worries in. And so, you know, I, I think about those, those issues that really build perseverance mm-hmm. and it allow me to be a better man today because of those, those issues. You, you, you can't have growth, growth without obstacles. And I think when you have those obstacles, it really challenges you, challenges you as an individual on how do you want to be and, uh, and what's really driving you. And so I, you know, I'm so thankful for those, those, those obstacles and, you know, to allow me to the position I am in right now. Did it ever bother you that you never became an all-star? Although you had an all-star career. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, you know, a few times, man, it was, uh, I felt a, a couple of times that I should have been an all-star, but our team just absolutely sucked at the time. And one year, the year I actually got hurt early and it really dropped my, my, my stock as, you know, the all-star standpoint. I remember Adidas, I was with Adidas at that time and they sent me, you know, my all-star shoes. Right. And, um, man, I was just looking forward. And I didn't make it. And, you know, it, it hurt me as an individual because you work so hard and you feel like you're right on the cups of of, of all stardom, I would say. And it, and it just didn't happen. You know, when I think about that, that's probably one of the things as as a player, you know, being an all star and being a champion, because that's, I think as, as players, you want to be a winner. You want to be winners. You want to eventually, you know, be an all star and you want to be a champion. And, um, you know, it just so happened, you know, all three of those didn't work out. And so uh, it, it, it really, it really bothered me, you know, because every year, you know, I, I did my best, you know, I, you know, I put my, my entire body on the line every single day to try to help my team, you know, and I felt like for me, you know, how I can help my team is to do what they want, told me to do. You know, we need you to get to the line, you know, eight or nine times. You know, I, I gave up my body every single game to 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 help my team. And just so happens, you know, it, it didn't work out for us, you know, winning the championship or, or getting past the second round in, in the playoffs or, you know, being an all star. And um, and you think about that as as a as an individual. But then you look at like you know, how you could have gotten better or what you could have done differently. But, you know, it, when I look at it, it's, it's still, it is what it is. Um, it was still such a blessing to play that, play this game and to be involved in the National Basketball Association. We talked about how to handle adversity and challenges. Talk about handling success. Could that be just as challenging or even harder than managing adversity? Yes, because... You know, I think a lot of times if you're if you have a lot of lot of success, you know, sometimes success could come fast, fast for you. You know, you think of, you know, a lot of players that, you know, um, if it's in sports or in business that you you get a, a large sum of money and, you know, you made it. You have all this money and all of a sudden you don't know how to manage it, um, you know, or you, you get all of this success. And you're you're caught doing the wrong things or or thinking that you're invincible. And that's a hard thing. And I, and honestly, when you know, to your your previous question about having those mentors, even in your in your success or even in your trying time, mentors are so important. And so, 
um, as much as you can, you can have issues of, of failure or situation, you can have the exact same thing, you know, and, and I, I just really believe that you need to, you know, surround yourself around the right people that would allow you to be better, but also that would hold you accountable. You know, I think a lot of times that people that have great success, they have a lot of yes mans. And when you have success, you really need to have people that will hold you accountable and tell you the truth in order to make you a better individual. And the people who really allow those people around them are, are I think, usually the ones that, that, that might have failure, but, but, but are able to to get back up as fast as possible. So you have an incredible transition after an, an incredible career in the NBA, and you transition right back into basketball as the MVP champion face of the big three. Talk about that experience and playing in your later years and how the big three allow guys who still had game um, that could still play and still were athletic to be able to play the game that they loved. Well, man, first of all, you know, when I think about, you know, post-career, you know, right when I retired from the NBA, I went to go work for for the NBA and I worked in their basketball operations, you know, division. Um, and it really allowed me to to see the ins and out of, of the game and to take myself out of just being a professional athlete and understand, like, you know, what it truly takes and all the people that make this work, you know, from concessions, from the parking, you know, from, you know, the event planning, you know, even from the people that are, you know, turning on the lights. And it really gave me a better perspective on on this game and how much it was. It's a surreal lifestyle to the basketball players. And so that was a, a, a great step for me once post-career to, to get involved in the NBA and see that side of it. You know, but then in that, in that process, you know, Ice Cube, you know, he's the owner of the Big Three, you know, to ask me about, just randomly, I got a call from like, hey, you know, you know, you're interested in playing in this three on three basketball. I'm like, three on three basketball. Like, yeah, hey, I'm thinking about it and you know, I'm trying to get some guys together. I think it'd be great. And at that time I was still working for the NBA and and honestly, they were like, Hey, you know, you can't you can't really do the basketball thing if you're you're focusing in on, you know, this new career path. And I remember you know, having a conversation, you know, without Adam Silver and Adam Silver, like, you know what, don't worry about it. You can do it. You know, you can do it. And this is like towards the tail end of that summer. And I decided, decided to do it. And I remember a, f- a few of my colleagues at the time, like, man, you don't, don't do it, man. Just, you know, just, just focus on this, man. Just do this. It's like, ah, no, I can, I can do both. And man, <laughs> the first, the first year, you know, I go out there, man, I'm playing well the first half. I'm like, oh, man, this is great, man. You got, I mean, it's thousands of people there. It was like that 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 feeling that, you know, when, you know, playing in the, in the NBA arena and, and it's just that competitiveness. And, man, I remember that. And going into the second half, I make a move. I blow out my Achilles. I tore, like, completely ruptured my Achilles. And here I go, like, oh, man, I retired from, from injuries and here I go, man, when I'm retired and, and, and tear my Achilles. And uh, man, it was it was a it was a trying time, another another injury and another uphill mental battle that I had to deal with, you know, as well as, you know, rehab. And um, man, I was like, oh man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. I I just remember that conversation. And um, 
I, I remember having a, those those talks with my wife at the time and just really just trying to continue to, to be positive and to have that perseverance. And, you know, around that time, I started to really start to rely more on, on Christ more, started to change me. And um, I remember after that, I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to play. I'm going to focus on on this. But it was it was amazing. I got a, another message from the man upstairs and like, you need to go back and play. I'm like, man, I don't even know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm ready. You know, my, my Achilles is still not ready. You know, I'm, I'm getting back these old injuries. Like my right knee was bothering. My foot was bothering me. And man, I'm, when I tell you, man, I, I persevered, you know, through that, but I was trying to be obedient to his call. And I come back the next season, come back the next season and we win. You know, we actually won the entire thing. We won the championship. You know, I won MVP. I won MVP of the season. I would won MVP of the playoffs. And then we won a championship. And so when I look back at, you know, how impactful the big three allowed me to to get back what I lost from the NBA, it was something that I never even thought of, you know, that I would, you know, be MVP that we would win a championship and I would be a finals MVP. And at that time they had it where, you know, you were the captain of the year. So the captains was basically like the managers and the person that is, you know, assembled that team. And so I won at that time, it was like four or five awards in that one season from actually just being obedient, mm. you know, to, to push through when I honestly, when I honestly, I didn't feel like I could, I honestly feel this was basically you know, a couple of days before the season actually started that, you know, it was like, all right, you got it. You need to go play. And man, it was the best decision, um, you know, that I said I've ever, I've ever done. Mm. It's often said that the posture of being rigid is the natural enemy of adaption because it's the opposite of flexibility. You've been able to be portable and adaptable with your life and it has led you now to being a commentator for the Clippers, full circle, mm-hmm. right? Talk about that pivot from, from playing to now being full circle, one of the lead guys, commentators for the Clippers. Well, I have to, I have to give a lot of credit to, um, to you know, like Ralph Lawler and, and this producer at the time, her name was Sarah Takata, that really, you know, they were trying to push me. This was even back when I was with the Clippers that, you know, hey, we want you to do this show, the old Megadio show, like so we can start you off. You might want to think about this when you retire. And that was back in 2003. And I never thought about, you know, doing TV or even talking about basketball at the time. And man, it, you know, it's like sometimes people see stuff in you that you don't even see in yourself. And when I look about when you talk about, you know, mentors like Ralph Lawler was a great mentor for me. You know, even a guy, Mike Smith, you know, that were play by play and color analysts for the Clippers, they just kind of really pushed me. Right. And, um, it's been a, it's been an amazing experience to, to make that jump from, you know, playing career to playing a little more basketball and three on three, and then going right into TV and, and really staying close to the game. And, you know, for, for a lot of players, they don't, they don't have this type of career path. They don't have the, post career where they can go right into a job. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, I'm very thankful for it. And I know it's, it's tough for a lot of guys that they have so much more to give and so much basketball knowledge and high basketball IQ that, 
you know, that can be utilized in the league. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that, you know, you know, Fox gave me a chance to to talk about the game. And, you know, I went from doing, you know, like the, you know, uh, Mike Hill at the time, he still works for Fox. One of his shows called The Best Sports, The Best Sports Show, you know, one of the national shows. And then I went from there. I started to do college basketball at the Big West and started to get, you know, kind of get more reps and uh, try to get more polished. And, and and then from there, I started to do the Clippers, you know, pre pre and post, pre halftime and post. And I started to do games. And uh, man, it's, it's been it's been a great ride. It's been a great journey. Um, you know, you know, they've really allowed me to 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 get better. And, you know, when I think about it, you know, having something to do once you're done with the game and actually being still being close to it, it's, it's been great. Right. You know, because you're you're looking not only from your old basketball mindset, <laughs> you're, you're looking from a coach's coach's view. So like all the things that, you know, coaches probably told us, you know, that we thought that they were crazy. Now you're actually seeing those on film yourself and you're able to assess assess that and talk about it. Um, and so it's been an amazing ride. And um, the people that, you know, really that have pushed me and, and allow me to, you know, take these steps to continue in this in this new career and in TV. And you're terrific at it, too. And I'm not just saying that I, I, I watch and I watch uh, how you handle yourself and how articulate you are and knowledgeable of the game. Although sometimes um, for me, as I watch the game, my game, my eyes are archaic because the game is different than how we played. Yes, um, totally. To- totally different, totally different game. So I've had to adapt my eyes to how the game is played today, um, which I think uh, you would have thrived in, in today's game easily because you would have shot more threes probably too. Um, no, you would have shot more threes. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thrived in this league. <laughs> we, we have fun, man. I, yeah, I didn't shoot that many threes when I played, maybe four or five a game. Uh, compared I know, to but instead of four or five, you know, you would have had the green light to shoot, you know, 12 a game. You know, twelve a game, so. <laughs> and, it, and the and the players couldn't touch you. So one drive, you fouled. Oh. You're shooting eighty eight percent from the free throw line. So I couldn't touch you. I mean, if I barely touched you, and me and you knew we had theatrics to our game. So if you touched me, I knew how to exactly. the foul. You'd be at the free throw line probably twenty times a game. The way you hey, played, hey, you you know what, man? Most people don't understand is like all all the stuff James Harden has done and, yes. and learned. You know, he 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 learned that from me, man. Like the the three act to 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 kind of flop and to oh. sell the foul. I remember, you know, having those conversations with James Harden. Yeah, we had the same agent, man. You know, when you and I played each other, we, we did that all. That was our weapon to get. My goal was to get you in foul trouble so you can so I don't have to play against you. Exactly. That was my goal. <laughs> exactly. Same here. You take you take the starter out. You put the second the, the second string guy to come in and guard. Exactly. Exactly. Who was your toughest guard that you had to guard? Like top three toughest guys to guard. Top three toughest guys to guard. Um, number one was Peja Stiakovich. Wow. He, he was just a, a monster running off the screens. And most people don't, you know, they know him, but they really don't know. This guy was, you know, six eight, six nine, and he he just never stopped moving. And he could shoot off the cat. Like, it's just amazing how he shot the basketball um, uh, because of the way he ran off of those those screens. Um, 
you know, next we're probably have, you know, probably have to be Kobe because he, you know, I remember, you know, every game that we played against him is, you know, is one game I got the best out of him. And I, you know, I challenged him. I was talking trash to him. But then like the next time we played, like he knew every single move that I was doing. And he was like, oh, yeah, I know you've been you've been watching my tapes. You know, he would say this while I'm actually dribbling and doing the move. I'm like, how is this dude, this guy doing this? Like, I'd make a, sp- a spin move. Oh, yeah, I'm sitting on that. I know that. I did that back two years ago. And, and so, like, he was just so tough from the standpoint of, like, far as his basketball IQ, you know, just amazing. And, and you know, he pushed, like, he really pushed you. Like, to, yeah. you know, you, if you're going to score, you gonna, I mean, you really going to have to give him everything you got. That's right. You know, um, three, I would say, you know, uh, later on in my in my career, someone that was was tougher. Hmm. It was probably. You know, T-Mac was another one. You could go with LeBron mm. was tough, too, because he was just, you know, physically gifted and, and Carmelo, you know, those guys at the time. You know, and also I was playing the four, you know, you know, back, you know, my later years of the career. So I was guarding fours like LaMarcus Aldridge and these guys. You know, I remember guarding Shaq, you know, you know, situationally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, those were were some really, really tough. I mean, I could name, bro, 20 guys that were just really tough guys to guard. You know, one guy that, you know, most people don't know that was a tough cover because he had this really unorthodox shot was – you know, Kevin Martin that played in Sacramento. Yes. You know, this guy, this guy would just get buckets. You know, if you left any daylight, he had this like this little crazy shot that he, you know, but he he wasn't the strongest player, but he just kind of used his wits and his 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 basketball IQ to just outsmart you. And before you know it, you got two fouls, you sitting on the bench and he has, you know, 14 points in the first quarter. So, mm. you know, it, wow. it, you go from a variety of of, of, of players and you know and don't forget about yourself running off the screens not to chase you around all the time and you would stop and then you run and then you come off like you know yeah I remember those too bro I remember those. <laughs> we had some great great games man against each other and uh when I think about you man and and in you know how mean you connect now, now life after basketball I think of faith family and fun mm-hmm. with you and I know you love your family dearly um, talk about the ability to see your family and your kids grow up now and that balance between work and, and family life. Well, yeah, man, it's been, it's been really good for me. And, you know, as, a, as a professional athlete, you, you know, you don't get to spend the, the time that you want with your family. And, um, you know, I remember, you know, the missus would always tell me that you're here, but you're not here, you know, you're here, but you're not here. And I, and I honestly didn't really get what she was actually saying when I was playing. Mm. But I forget what, what she's what she's saying now, because, you know, you're so consumed when trying to be a better player that you you kind of tune a lot of things out. And um, and now as you know, as I'm home a lot because I have the flexibility and the schedule to do so, you, you know, you really want to invest in your kids more. You really want to you want to see them grow. You know, you want to have conversations. You know, I, I just remember. You know, even to this day, I'm having conversations every day with like with my son about, you know, his life and, you know, his faith and, you know, and, you know, handling adversity and like really just trying to, you know, our family is, you know, is a God-centered family, a Christ-centered family. And 
that has been the key for us. And, um, you know, that's been the key for me, you know, in my new journey, you know, as a, as a, as Christian believer to, to use that to my advantage, you know, to know that we are saved by grace, you know, none of us, you know, none of us should be saved, you know, everyone should be judged, but, you know, because Jesus Christ died for us, that we, we have this free gift of grace. And so we really trying to align our kids around that and understand, you know, the values of it. And, um, and it's been, it's been really impactful because it changed you. You know, I think, you know, in your, in your walk, you know, the change is when you start to see a difference, you move to a different beat. Um, you don't uh, surround yourself around things that might be pitfalls or stumbling blocks. And, and I think for, for us, and, uh, and my kids is really just trying to help them, you know, navigate through those, those times. And even for me every day, you know, every day is a, is a challenge, a struggle, you know, but you have to learn to navigate it. And we just use a different source of power to help us through that. And that's kind of how, you know, Mike, our family is aligned, you know, and it's, and it's been a beautiful thing to, to, to use that as, you know, our backbone to help us through our daily walk. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Last question I have for you is, if you had to go back to your 16-year-old self, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Oh, wow. If I can go back to my 16-year-old self, um, I would honestly say, you know, I think about the 16, I would say some of the choices that I made. And, you know, one of one of the choices that I would say, and to be quite frank and honest, is, you know, you know, having sex before, you know, I was married, right? And you know, looking at it from a biblical standpoint, the way you're supposed to align yourself. And I think too, you know, some of those choices as a young adult, you know, it changes you over time uh, as an adult. And I, I look back at that, right. And, and really trying to have that, you know, that deeper relationship, you know, with Christ. If, if I can go back to that, to that area of myself and I can tell myself at that time, that's, that's actually what I would, would tell them it wouldn't be about anything else. It's more about, you know, surrounding yourself around, you know, Christ and making sure that, you know, you keep, you know, your body as a temple to 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 the Lord. And so, you know, that that would be one thing that I would I would tell myself. Nothing else, because I think that would be more impactful than anything. Corey, you are a great basketball player, but you're a greater person. And I, I I'm so blessed and so glad that you're able to to share your story and for people to hear and be inspired by your journey, brother. Love you much, man. And I appreciate you being on the cast, man. Man, thanks for, for uh, inviting me on your show. I appreciate it, man. And peace to you and the family, man. Hopefully I talk to you soon. Absolutely, bro. What a great story of both physical and mental strength displayed at the highest levels of competitive sports. Corey is a picture of perseverance, faith. He's a man walking the long road of life with grace, grit, and adaptability. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Michael Red, and remember you are the secret to your success.